right. Backing out of the driveway. My driveway. Yeah, a little bit different tonight. So, welcome to episode 105 of Auto Off Topic. And, uh, we Probably are... for episode 100. Yeah. Something different. We are driving in the 78 Colt. The blue car that we put pictures of. Brad's Colt. As opposed to Andrew's Colt. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't exist. No. Blue Colt is best Colt, in my opinion. Well, it's the only Colt that I drive right now. Yeah. Blue Colt is best Colt in my collection, for sure. Yellow Colt is pretty good, too, though. Yeah, but the blue one's got a manual transmission. Yes. And the Libras. Yes. And the fog lights. Yes. And the bumper tuck. Yes. Still to the back. And the broken exhaust, so it sounds uh, a little more aggressive. Yeah, so we had to move some cars around, so I drove it to your house. Yeah, and I haven't gotten your impressions yet because I was waiting to hear them on the air. Which is probably, I drove it, what, 15, 20 miles? Roughly? About 20, 23. 23 miles door to door from my parents' house to my house. So, uh, it definitely drives like a 70s car. Well, I mean, like, makes no apologies about that. It is a 70s car. Yeah, well, sometimes you'll get a car that feels newer than it actually is the way it drives. But this drives like a 70s car, which is fine. That's what you drive it for because it drives like a 70s car. Yeah, well, it, and it technically it kind of drives like a 60s car that's ahead of its time because the basic architecture came out in 1970. Yeah, and it's like, uh, so you get no power steering. Nope, but you don't need it because the car's pretty light. And yeah, it's not even that bad in a parking lot. No. Uh, I mean, the steering feels like, because it's a drag link, it feels like my truck. Yeah, it's got a little slop. be a little tighter. And again, that's a lot to do with the steering box. It's probably, it needs a little, uh, needs a little help. Um, but it's not bad. No. It goes pretty straight. You can have a steering wheel. Yeah, and the last time I tonight. drove it, I think it had some sort of brake issue or suspension issue. And that was a while ago. That was where you had to like redo the wheel bearing and somebody had welded on the, the lock nut instead of putting a cotter pin. I think, well, they, the I car think it, doesn't have a standard um, straight castle nut. It has a cap that goes over a standard nut. And the cap, it's like a castle cap, I guess, was missing. Um, so instead of using a cotter pin, because they had nothing to attach the cotter pin to, because it didn't have like the grooves for it to sit in between, yeah. they just tightened it down and then spot with like two little spot welds on either side of it to keep holding in place. Yeah. And then Which the, obviously is fine for like right after you fix it, but next time you go to service it or you go to clean the wheel bearings, repack the wheel bearings, you can't because the thing's welded together. Yeah, it was pretty dumb. Yeah. And it completely bunged up all the threads, so I needed to get a new knuckle for it. Yeah. So that was the left front corner. But I will say, for something that just has springs that somebody cut, it rides really well. So, it's a leaf spring rear. Okay. So the rear still has the same amount of travel as it would factory. It just has blocks. Okay. So, and it doesn't go all the way up into the car, so it's not like cut any travel out. Yeah. Um, and the front has about a coil and a half, if I'm looking at pictures properly, cut off of it. Okay. Um, and they're not progressive springs. Yeah. So it's not gonna make a huge difference as far as the spring rate goes. Um, and again, the car had so much ground clearance from the factory that they don't bottom 
much different than the car would have stock. Okay. I mean, I think it's probably a little worn out for sure. Yeah, you don't know how, how old the shocks are really. No, but they don't bounce. They don't have a. They don't have. They're, they're not blown basically. No. Um, and they're not a big deal to replace because you can use your standard inserts. Yeah. Um, most people use a Toyota MR2 front insert because it fits inside the shock tube. Yeah, you just cut it in. Yeah, well, it, yeah, you just open it up and put the insert in, and then you stack. I forget that there's a number of washers that you have to stack below it. Yeah. To like give it the exact proper spacing, and it just works the way it should, and it's actually got a bunch more uh, sport orientated shock absorber. So they put like MR2 Coney's in or something? Yeah, you put Coney's or GR2's or something. Yeah. It's half decent in there. Yeah. And the um, rear is a basic shock. And the rear is just measure it up and put a shock in. Yeah. Because they're just, you know, standard two eyelet style yeah. bolts. So anyway, no, it, the car doesn't drive. I mean, it's got a very short wheelbase. Yep. And it's got very rudimentary suspension. Yeah. So it bounces around a little bit, but it doesn't bounce around any more than any other car of the era, any other economy car of the era, because let's face it, it was marketed as an economy car. Um, yeah. In this country specifically, especially. Other places it was marketed with, you know, rally pedigree, but not here. Around here, nobody cared about rally pedigrees. So they didn't sell it that way. No. The, uh, and I kept looking for, it is a four-speed. I kept looking like, oh, I want to go to fifth. No, I can't. I do that all the time. Yeah. I don't even own a manual transmission five-speed, I don't think. Well, I do, but I don't have one on the road right now. Yeah. I, all the manual transmissions that I currently drive are four-speeds, and I still find myself looking for fifth on the highway, especially. It probably turns about, I don't know, four grand at 65 miles an hour. So. Yeah, that's the other thing. There's no tack, so you yeah. kind of have to listen to it. Uh, it. You know, that's the other thing. The engine is pretty quiet. The car's really and quiet. It's, and it's really smooth. Yeah. Uh, it needs, like, just a touch more exhaust noise. It does have the stock exhaust on it. Yep. And That's, that is the plan. Yeah. It has a broken... The tailpipe broke off at the muffler. Yeah. Um, which is common. Just to get moisture inside and they rust out from the inside. Yeah. Um, it's got a little pops and bangs on diesel, which is, like, very tiny. They're, they're very subtle, though, because the muffler is a stock, quiet yeah. flow muffler. Um, I do want to put something a little bit more... A little more aggressive on there. I want to see what our friend Al has under his Mark II Escort. Yeah, that's uh, you know a similar architecture engine. You know it's a you know single overhead cam style, you know four cylinder, um, and it sounds good. So I'll have to see exactly what he has for muffler under there and use something in that in that range. It's not overly loud. It doesn't sound like the you know swarm of bees like some four cylinders do with exhaust um, put on them. It sounds it sounds pretty good. So we'll change it up a little bit. But the car is honestly I. I I haven't been driving the car as much this summer because we've had a normally hot summer. Yeah. Um, and it's not even the heat that's the problem, it's the like humidity, like they say. So I haven't been driving the car that much because to drive this car to work, you know, I don't want to get to work and be already sweaty before the day even starts. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, um, the heat did start to creep on the highway. Yeah, that water bump. Yeah, so it's, it's, gotta gotta be gotta be, it's gotta be a flow problem because it's not, and I bet when we open it up, I bet the uh, impeller is probably rotted away. Yeah. And so it flows enough at low speeds, but when you're getting up high enough, it's probably not flowing enough. Uh, so I ordered a water pump for it. Yeah. Uh, and it came in. Um, I never even opened the box. 
because it looked like it had been like airdropped into my driveway from an airplane without the benefit of a parachute <laughs> after they had discovered it amongst the wreckage of the Titanic. I mean, it was... It was already rusty? It, I didn't even open the box. The box was barely a box. Yeah. I mean, the, the box had like this black mold stuff growing on it. It was... <laughs> it was really bad. It was so, new, old, new old stock? Yeah, it was old stock, that's for sure. Um, so I sent it back. Yeah. Uh, and what really annoys me is I sent it back and I ordered another one on Saturday. Yeah. Um, and I just got a shipping confirmation yesterday that it won't be here till next Wednesday. Oh, that's I think, really annoying. I think it's excessive that I, you know, and they charge $36 for shipping. Whoa! Yeah, Rock Auto is starting to lose my business because they have a lot of stuff, but I don't understand why their shipping costs are so high. Especially for something that's clearly being shipped economy class. I don't think that they have uh, their own main warehouse or fulfillment center. I think they drop ship from people. Other people? Well, they never definitely drop shipped that's, it, that's for sure. And that's how they... Drop they, shipped it a few times on the way to my house. That's how they can have such a large inventory is that they don't have to warehouse all their own stuff. Well, maybe, but their shipping sucks. Yeah. And the fact that I've been waiting, it'll be a total of 10 days to get this thing to my house. Yeah. And I was hoping to have it, ordering it last Saturday, I assumed I'd have it for this weekend so I could do the swap this weekend, but yeah. I won't. So I want to work on the other, the brown cold carburetor this weekend instead, I think. Oh, that's about it. Yeah, it's freaking annoying, but what am I going to do? I almost considered, like, just ordering, taking the part number and finding one on Amazon, and then uh, sending back the other one to Rock Auto when I got it, but I was yeah. like, whatever, it's not that big a deal. I can wait a few days. So, hopefully, soon enough, we'll have an answer as to what the hell is going on with the cooling system in the support. In the support yeah. What is this car? The Colts. The yeah. Blue 78 Colts. So, I, uh, but anyway, other than the, the suspension feel, what were your you know, thoughts on driving it? Did you feel like you're going to die? No, no, right. and it doesn't it doesn't even smell for a carb car. There's no, no smell. No car. What car I smelt was behind your diesel truck. That stinks. Yeah, <laughs> no, of course it does. And uh, the only time you'll smell fuel in this car is if you hot start it. Yeah. Um, sometimes it gets too much fuel into the carburetor. Uh, you'll get a fuel smell when you first start it, but it burns off very quickly. The um, seats are decently comfortable. The passenger seat feels better than driver's seat. Probably well, yeah, not the driver's out. seat's got you know forty years of wear on it. Yeah, so they're not they're not bad. I, I've done. I, I think I've done a three and a half hour trip in this car. The shifter feels good for the era. The era, yeah. It's yeah. not too sloppy. Nope. And I think I can tighten that up as well with some bushings and whatnot. Um, when we do a swap in this car. Eventually, you know, we always talk about doing the Ford, the naturally aspirated 4G63. Yeah. Um, I'll put a, a, a Starion 5-speed behind it. Yeah, it's not fast. It's not fast by any means, but it's not meant to be fast. No, it's fun. It, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's decidedly faster than, say, uh, my father's Spitfire. Yeah, it reminded me of driving the Spitfire. It's faster than the Spitfire, though, for sure. I've driven yeah. both of them, you know, in close proximity to one another. The Spitfire makes a lot of noise, and you don't go really anywhere. Really go anywhere, yeah. Um, the Spitfire feels fast when you're moving because you're down on the ground. Yeah, you're literally sitting on the ground. Yeah. This doesn't have that same sensation of speed, but, I mean, as far as handling goes, you can chuck this thing into a corner pretty hard. And I don't know how hard you beat on it, and I'm trying to encourage you to because... It's more fun when you beat on it, um, but I, I, I genuinely enjoy driving this car. It's, it's not 
know, a penalty box kind of driving experience. It's no, it's a fun little car. To me, it's no different than an MGB. You know, it's similar suspension style, maybe a little more modern. You know, an ancient four-cylinder and a four-speed transmission. I mean, it's it's got that sports car architecture that you know every car had. Jesus, guy, high beams. Um, that's got that sports car architecture that you know every car of the time, every sports car of the time had. You know, it was not it's not a bad car to drive. You know, no. I, I drove it back back to back with a Mark II Escort RS2000. Yeah. And I mean, obviously the Mark II Escort is a faster car. Yeah. It's a more iconic car worldwide. But to be honest with you, the overall driving feel of the car wasn't a lot different. No, this is definitely a, a very drivable classic. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, it just looks cool. Like or as our friends say, drivers of imperfect classic cars. That's right. Look that up on Facebook and Instagram. They they have a cool got a cool thing going where they just enjoy driving old cars and not over restoring them, just enjoying what they have. Yeah. So they're they're cool exactly. group to follow. They're based out of New York. They do a lot of stuff at Watkins Glen and whatnot. But good guys. They get a cool sticker. Yep. <laughs> I go this way. Uh-huh. I don't know where I am, so. I could enter because that guy behind me went through a doing an I don't know what that was. Anyway, whatever. So, other than talking about the Colt, what's on the docket for tonight, Andrew? Uh, well, we've got a new name. We don't have any corrections, but we've got a new name for it. Thanks to our listener, James McIntosh. A new name for what? Uh, it's the Pedantic Corrections Department. Trademarked. Okay. Yes, I like that. James McIntosh. So, Thank uh, you, James. Uh, we don't have any tonight, but when we do in the future... I mean, I'm sure we said something wrong last week, so if somebody wants to call us out on it, we can use the pedantic corrections department. I just don't... Nobody called us out on anything, so... I've got a bunch of project car updates. Excellent. I have one small one. Should I start first? Why don't you do that one, then? All right. Um, my 1968 Camaro, that yep. I talked about a few weeks now, um, had a taillight bulb out. Uh-huh. So I put a taillight bulb in it. Ooh. And that's only important because I went and got an inspection sticker. Oh, great. So the car is now legally on the road 100%. Cool. So, yeah. I did the arduous task of putting in a 3157 bulb. Ooh. And uh, driving to the inspection station. Man, so, that must have been really tough. It, it was <laughs> touch and go for a little while there, but we got it all going good. I was a little nervous, to be honest with you, when he jacked the front of the car up and checks all the suspension. Oh. Because I've owned that car my entire life, almost. Um, and I've never put a dime into the suspension. Yeah. Or the steering. Or a wheel bearing. Or, I mean, I really should put tires on it because the tires that are on it are tires that I got for free when I was 16 to make the car roadworthy. Yeah. Um, and I'm 37 now. Oh boy. So that's a long time. And they were free then. I mean, they're radials. They're not like 70s tires, but they're. Oh, you don't drive it very often, yeah. I well, guess. Another one with high beams, guy. Yeah, like, honestly, that's. Uh... I don't know if it's the high. Yeah, it's the high beams, and then we're also super low to the ground. So right. it does not help. I'm, no, I'm used to thinking that cars have high beams on and then realizing that it's just the fact that I'm driving a tiny car. Um, but yeah, so anyway. Tires I put in the car when I was 16 years old. I'm now 37, so that means that they're 21 years from the day I put them on, and they weren't new when I got them. Oh boy. Yeah, they're uh, Starfire radials. But yeah. I've, I've never driven the car enough, you know, to worry about it. But I did think about it during my inspection process this time, and they didn't say anything because I only think they checked gate codes. So 
whatever. Next year, I'll put different tires and wheels uh, in the car. We definitely gotta check date codes. Yeah. So and the and the wheel bearings are tight and the wall joints are tight and the tie rods are tight. So he did say I had a little bit of movement in the right front. Uh, nothing dangerous. Just it's probably just needs to be you know the wheel bearings need to be greased and tightened. So I'll get on that at some point soon. Cool. But anyway, that's my only project car update. I've had a busy week doing other things. So got something done anyway. Yeah, so I had uh, I had a bunch going on. So I changed the oil in the Montero. Excellent. Uh, I was going to do the axles and hubs. And then I looked at the upper ball joints while I was in there, like seeing what I had to take apart. And the boots were all torn. So I was like, well, I might as well just wait, grab some ball joints. Because I'm going to pop those off anyways to help get the axles out. So I grabbed a set of those from work. I have them now. Uh, not going to get to that just yet. Because I also have bar links for the Galant. Yep. Because that's what's loose. Is that what's banging in the front? Yeah, that's what's making the popping and creaking and because uh, they're definitely loose. Um, so pretty sure, like 99% sure that's what it is. Everything else felt nice and tight, so it's yeah. got to be. And the other thing is, and uh, it's because I checked the same sway bar links that are on the Talon same suspension setup. Right. Those were not moving like the ones were in the Glant. Okay, well there in. you go. So that's, that's uh, probably it. But the reason why I checked the Talon ones was because I pulled it out of my garage and uh, brought it to my dad's house so I could work on it. Oh boy. Yep, we're getting cut off. Um, and so my garage is kind of tight. And yeah, I have two cars in there. It's, it's really like a one and a half car garage that you squeeze yeah. two cars into. Yeah, I squeeze two small cars in there. Yeah. And I was being careful to pull it out and Where not now? drag the passenger side quarter panel. So I have to, I have to back the Galant in and then nose the Talon in so that both driver sides are in the middle of the garage. Right, so you can get in the cars. Yes. So I'm making sure I don't drag the passenger side quarter panel against the edge of the garage door opening. Or the fieldstone garage wall. No, that part's all cement, smooth oh, cement. Not that it's any better. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a first-gen talent. It doesn't have fold-away mirrors. I almost made it. I clipped like an inch of the edge of the door frame and that mirror exploded. I don't think an inch is almost making it. An inch is a pretty big misjudgment. I I guess yeah. objects <laughs> in the mirror are closer than they appear. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, like it wasn't just like I tapped it and it, <laughs> no, it, I hit it and it exploded. The entire casing around it came off, the glass blew off of it, and it's this little tiny, piece of where the mirror would be attached. There's a little, there's a little nub left. Yeah, it's nub. like a, a real, like, my strong hand, like, yeah. look oh. to it. <laughs> like, it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, the parts car I have has a mirror that's fine. Yep. You also uh, broke the molding on the door that the mirror attaches to. So, yeah. I, but That I'm not too concerned about. I think that, you know, silver linings and all, the spoiler on your car yeah. is gloss black. Yeah. The spoiler continues into those door moldings. Yeah. And your door moldings are not painted gloss black. They're the original plastic, like 
you know, yeah. flat black. They're hard to get off. We have to figure out how they come off on the parts right. car first. Because the, your spoiler came off of my talon, yeah. and when I had my talon, I resprayed the roof black, and I also resprayed the spoiler at the same time, gloss black, because I didn't like the flat black spoiler look, and you know, the, the glossy spoiler looks way better, oh, and you have that on your car better. now. But it'll be, this is now an opportunity that when we have your car apart, we can spray your door moldings gloss black yeah. to, to match. So. I'm glad I wasn't pulling the car out to go get a sticker. Yeah, that would have been really annoying. <laughs> but for now, I'm just going to put, I'll clean up that other mirror and I'll have your work painted. Yeah, we'll paint and it. We'll just black. pop yeah. it on because I I don't want to get too deep into pulling moldings off before. The reason why I got it out is because I want to take it to Radwood Philly. Hashtag Radwood Prep. Yeah, so I don't want to I don't want to get too deep into pulling moldings off or I don't have to really. Well, I think that if we're going to do one side, we should do the other side, too. Well, we are going to do both sides, but I don't want to do it before the show. I just want to put the mirror on it and get a sticker, because it's really not that bad. Yeah. It can be done over the winter. Um, because yeah, no, we, that's, we, we can do it whenever. I, I, don't, I think we should try to take them off the parts car and see how they come off. Yes, um, absolutely and if, they, do it if, and if they come off fairly easily, then screw it. Let's just do both sides now. Because you know you're getting the car ready for a show, you might as well make it. I'll see. It's it really best show. It really doesn't look that bad. No, I know, but it would look better. Um, Here I am, you know, preaching to you about finishing projects, and I don't have anything to say. So, really, I can't say anything. So I got to go to my dad's garage, but the reason was because the car needed brakes. Yep. Um, it had the original. So in 1991, the cars came with single piston front brakes and like Correct. a 10-inch rotor. Yep. The only two years they came that way. Yeah, really underbraked. And I'd never, I'd pad slapped the front. Maybe I've thrown rotors on it. I know one of the slide pins was bent, and I never replaced it years ago because I didn't have money. It was you were a teenager. Yeah. And the rear calipers got replaced because they seized, and they had new pads and rotors in them. Uh, I did had. I did at one point. I had flushed the fluid with like AT Super Blue, so that wasn't too bad. Yeah. But I mean, we got to remember at the point you've owned this car now for 16 years, 17 years, 17 years, yeah. 17 years. So you've had the car long enough now that you forget what's been done to it in the past. No, I know. I know everything that's been done to it. Well, you just said you don't remember if you had changed the rotors or not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what I mean. Like little things like that have now escaped your mind because it's been so long. But it's. Uh, I had off my parts car, it had the dual piston brakes, the later big brakes. Which are off the 92 it. and up cars? 93 and up, yeah. 93 and up cars? And the you know, 92, late 92, I think. Yeah. It's also the same two piston that came on the Glam VR4. Okay. Uh, and it's on like a bunch of cars, like 3000 GTs. Non turbos. Non turbos. They, they use them on a bunch of stuff. So. Uh, I got those, and I had them rebuilt a while ago. They've been waiting to go on. So I took that all apart. I also had uh, braided stainless lines yep. that I always wanted to install, because I'm sure the- You probably bought them 12 years ago. No, I bought them <laughs> like a, a year ago. Oh, okay. And the rubber hoses are all probably old. Yep. Just whatever. So I took those off. maintenance stuff at this point. Yeah, I've got some HPS pads to go in the front. Upgrade while it's apart kind of deal. I've got some ceramic pads, power stop ones to go in the back so they okay. stop better and throw less dust, which I, which I need to get another uh, set. I might. I mean, there's a red light. There you go. Now I'll go. I don't know if we, we were 
stopped under a red light. I there's a red light ahead of me, and I was at a stop line. Yeah. So there was a second stop line ahead, but when you, as a rule, if you see a stop line and a red light, you stop at the first stop line, right? Uh, maybe it wasn't to block the intersection, but whatever. Regardless, the light was red. We could drive another 15 feet. Was all we could go. Yeah. We got honked at. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I also had these weird mystery rotors that I thought went to the car. So here's what. Yeah, I couldn't remember, and I don't think I ever bought these for this car. I, I feel like you got them from somebody. I don't remember from where, but I don't know where from. They didn't. I don't remember them coming off a form. I searched yeah. old messages I couldn't find anything I think they were for somebody else's car that we know and they ended up in my dad's garage but they also they were five lug 50114 yep so they fit the hubs and a center bore seemed right too uh, it was a little bit too big was it a few millimeters so I put it on and I went to put the bracket on I was like oh this is definitely not fitting and the curvature of the bracket didn't fit the rotor hat right well and the rotors are just too thick okay like they're interfering with the back of the bracket. Like I had to tilt the rotor to slide the bracket on to put the bolts in. Yeah, it's not right. No. I was like, I'll, I'll try it, but no, yeah. they don't fit. So I, uh, that kind of stopped me there. So luckily my work sells uh, a decent set of rotors for it. So I got those for a good price. And Excellent. I'll, I'll have them Friday night. Employee discount. And I'll wrap that it. up. Uh, but in the meantime, I wrapped up the rear. I installed the brake lines. Yeah, I think you posted a picture of that. It looks all pretty. Yeah. Uh, and not rusty like most New England cars. Yeah. You know, so I, you know, it's funny though. The car is cleaner than I remember it. I haven't been under it in a while. And I was like, oh yeah, it's still pretty clean. Yeah, because. I also stopped driving it in the winter in 2004. I say so you bought the car in like, oh, two. Or 03, right? Yeah, so it was 11 years old. That was 01. It wasn't that old. It was very well cared for. Um, although, when you bought it, it was kind of in... I don't know. It must have had a short period of not cared for. Because you had to do a little bit of work to it when you bought it. But it wasn't... Uh, we did a bunch of work to it. It wasn't too rusty, though, for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it didn't. Do we know if it came from New England originally? I think it did. Hmm. It also... It always had the quarter panel rot behind, behind the the moldings the trim at the base of the rear doors yeah they all have that which it's amazing how once you stop driving it in salt weather how slowly that progresses like it probably hasn't progressed hasn't at progressed. all yeah um, eventually we need to very carefully remove those plastic trim panels and repair the sheet metal underneath again we have those on the parts car anyway right um, so we were moving from the parts car first to find out exactly how it they're, go Yeah, they're, I took them up. They're double stick. Okay. So you just heat them up and peel them off carefully. But they can't be repainted because I, you can't get the decals that are on them. I might have a set of those decals. Well, the decals are color matched. Which ones are we talking about? The Dual Red Cam 16 valve turbo. They're not turbo. black? No. They are color matched to the car. How crazy it was! So if you had the silver bottom, they're color matched. If you had a white car, oh, they're color so matched. Oh, so a decal is color matched. The decal is color matched. It's not a clear decal. You could probably have somebody replicate it on a clear background. I must have had mine replicated then, because I'm trying to remember back what it was. Because I changed the color of the bottom of my car, and I put the decals back on. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. 
believe they were clear. I believe they were color matched. We'll take a close I know look the, at it. I know that the TSI one is in the back. The yeah, the bumper ones where it says Eagle and Eagle Town, those were black. Yep. But yeah, the TSI ones were all color matched. I bet somebody makes them. And then I, mean, I definitely get them done on a clear background. On mine, I actually cut away the background. And it looks better on the, the Eagle and the Talon, yeah. Yeah, the TSI, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, funny because I, I I know I changed because when I painted my car, I had obviously I had the black roof, blue base, and silver moldings. I yeah. kept the black roof the same black, but then gloss black the spoiler, and I did uh, a Chevrolet blue, which is a darker, like more brilliant blue on the body, yeah. and then I used a darker silver for also from the GM range on the bottom edge of the car. Oh, I thought you put that the same. No, I changed it. So I painted, the whole car got painted that once. Three different colors. What a pain in the butt customer I was. Yeah, so it was interesting, like I, I've had that car for 17 years. Yep. And uh, you know, it was like funny, it was just like, man, this is like being with an old friend, like, pulled it That's, out. That's the way I feel every time I get behind the wheel of a turbo Mitsubishi. After not driving one for a long time, like driving your Golan the other day, yeah. I just, it felt right. You know, when I first got back in a Starion after not having one for a few years, it just, it felt right. Like that's, there's something familiar about that way they run, the way they drive, the way they sound, the way they feel. You know, even going from a Colt, which is a Mitsubishi, doesn't have the same, doesn't have the same feel as a, the turbo Mitsubishi does, or, or, or the 90s Mitsubishi. It, it even, uh, it's funny because it's been sitting in storage just on a battery tender. Yep. And it started up and idled better immediately than the Glide. <laughs> I think the Glide throttle body needs to be cleaned. Yeah, that was my theory the other day on it. I gotta do that too. It might, it might just be gummed up. Because that car gets driven a lot and that'll do that to it. Sure does. Um, but yeah, it was like, I always wanted braided stainless steel lines from like, and the big brakes since I was like 22. And right. then I finally put them on. So it's pretty cool. But it's not like you didn't restore an entire car in between, so. No. <laughs> it's not like you just done nothing for, for the past 15 years. You just. No, there's a couple more things I have to do with it. I have a new radiator for it. Uh, I'd like to get the intercooler into it. Um, I'm just excited to ride it again. The uh, I realized the when I was installing the wideband gauge, like the actual gauge into the, I get the center stack set up for them. They okay. go where the center vents are in the yep. dash instead of on the A pillar. A pillar, like everybody else does. And uh, it was slightly too small. It was a plastic gauge housing. I was trying to push it in there, and it shattered. And it's a PLX devices. And, uh, they do make it. Doesn't a, exist anymore. No, no, they do. Okay. They good. make the generation four, which is a lot better. So I'm just gonna replace it with a new one. Did the gauge shattered or the mounting panel? The gauge shattered. Oh Jesus! It still works. It just it's just sitting there like an open circuit board. Right. With the LED display. So that's what I'm gonna do. Uh, I get to that, and then um, but it's it's in pretty good shape, and then. I think the slave cylinder might be leaking. I need to double check which, it. Which could also be just from sitting because the seals could dry out because it's not being used. Yeah, I have to double check because I, I don't want that to Fail explode in traffic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's easy to change. Yep, it's almost preventative maintenance at this point anyway. Yeah, the other 
like 80 or 100 bucks. I, I'll probably just buy one to throw it in yeah, there. Yeah, I've, I've had them fail on cars. So I had it fail on my Starion and one failed on my 84 RX-7. I was um, going to bleed it anyways with fresh hydraulic fluid in it, so I might as well just replace it. Yep, for sure. Uh, but yeah. I'm stoked. I'm, I'm happy the car is back out. I'm happy it's going to be used. I'm happy I'll get to ride in it slash drive it again. Mm -hmm. um, it's been so long. So what's the wheel situation going to be for Redwood, do you think? i got to get some tires for the HREs. Are you going to try to run the HREs? I'm absolutely going to run the HREs. Why would I run anything else? Well, because we're not sure how they're going to fit you with the tires and everything. We've got to make sure everything's i got to go with a slightly narrower tire than what yeah. they can. They have 225.50s on them. Which is too big for that car anyway. i got to run like a 215.50. Yeah. I used to run a 215 on the car, I think. Yeah. On my car. Because they're 16 by 8. Yeah, they're pretty wide. Um, but like I said, worst case scenario, if they don't fit, I do have my old Enkies you can run. Yeah, but that's a pain in the ass because swap tires again. It's not that pain in the ass. You just put them in the back of my pickup truck and I drive them to work and I swap them over and give them back to you. Yeah. It's really not that hard. <laughs> but car I'm just saying worst case scenario. Yeah, I gotta order those up soon, but I wanna get the car all set first. This still needs an inspection sticker too once it has tires. Oh yeah, well you can't do that now anyway because there's no mirror. Mm -hmm. but that's good. I'm stoked. It's gonna be fun going to Radwood with it. We also have to get my Sapporo back on the road by then as well. Yep. Because that needs the transmission seal. So, and also tires. Yep. <laughs> so that'll be next. So, what else did we do over the weekend? We went to... Uh, Lime Rock. Yep. Historics. Which, in my opinion, is the most prestigious event in the Northeast. Um... Yeah. I mean, I, there's a couple of concourses in the area. Concord Elegance. I mean, they have a concourse on but the they day they a, can't race on Sunday. Yeah, and they got some pretty heavy hitter cars there, usually, and this year especially. They had a whole bunch of Bugattis. Yeah, they had an amazing collection of Bugattis. Like, a collection that probably hasn't been seen outside of France altogether in a long time. It was. We posted a picture of it. I have never seen a yellow Type 35. Yep, that was really cool. Yeah. And, and it was like... That, that guy is a rally driver. Um, who owned it in, yeah. in like Ireland or Wales or a ERP is like ERC, like an ERC style driver or something, yeah. which is cool. I don't remember his name, and I knew I was gonna say that now and forget, but oh, I can look worst. it up later. I'm the worst. It'll be in pedantic corrections. I barely remember my own damn name sometimes. So. Uh, yeah, but the car was like really dirty and used. Yeah, which is awesome. Super cool, and I love on the other opposite side of the car. I start leaving. Like the passenger side, it had like military like backpacks like that he like strapped to like the, the spare tires, yeah, to like give him extra storage. Yep. Well, what's cool about an old car like that is you can tell when they're used because they don't have like you know airtight fittings and they don't have you know modern gasket materials, so they leak oil out of everything and they leak exhaust out of everything and you know they leak grease out of everything and it all just kind of slings around all over the place. And it kind of gives the, you know, gives the car some character. Like I said, like, pre-war, pre-World War II cars yep. kind of remind me of, like, biplanes. Yeah, like, for sure. They sound like it, too. The weird yeah. firing motors. And, like, and, and the, they're barely running, it sounds like, but they're running just fine. And the way the cockpits are with, like, just the... Oh, I'm sure a lot of the parts were sourced from airplanes. 
Well, just like the industrial design of the time. Yep. Nothing didn't need to be there was there. Yeah, they're really cool. And I've never been a fan of like brass era streetcars. I mean, they're they're interesting in the history. Those aren't really brass, brass era though. Those are later. Or even even the you know pre-war streetcars. I've never been a huge fan of just like a you know say a stock 1924 Oldsmobile. You know, it's never really been my deal. I appreciate them for what they are and how they you know we're stepping stones to where we are today to the cars that we do like. Yeah. But the race cars have always intrigued me because they're over the top insane. What is that? beige car that's at the Missilewood Concourse. HRG. That was running when I started on track. Yeah, he also owns one of the Bugattis that was running. Cool. Same guy. His name is Sandy Leaf. Um, he has the, the period correct modified Type 23. Yeah. The one with a Ford engine in it. Huh. Um, it was modified back then and story behind it. I had to look up to get the exact story. Um, but it was pretty much it was okay to race as a Bugatti even with a Ford engine in period. Huh. So that's interesting too. But yeah, no, it's cool because he owns those cars and he just drives them. So. And then my car, the event, was the flat black Cunningham C3. Like a fastback coupe? Yeah. Yeah, it was really neat looking. With a early Chrysler Hemi in it. Yeah. And that was cool. Cunninghams are cool cars to begin with. And this one here had like a, almost like a barn find look to it. I thought it was a Ferrari at first. It's a very similar body style to like a 61 Ferrari Coupe. Or well, yeah, you can tell what Ferrari coupe. Cunningham was going for. It's very much inspired by Ferraris. Yeah, they were competing against Ferraris. Yep. Yeah. That, I think yeah. It, was a, it was a C3, right, you said? C3, yeah. So it was a car right before the C4, obviously. Uh, I think it was a 1953. Probably. It looked yeah. about that vintage. Yeah, it's a very pretty car. And the, he was out there tossing it up on track. It was super cool. It sounded cool and it just looked cool because it was just different from everything else in its run group. Yeah. Um, that would probably be my car of the event too. Um, but just to be different <laughs> and just to give a second opinion on a car that was awesome. Uh, in his same run group, he was running with the 240Zs and 510s and... Was that the same one? Yeah. Wasn't it? Or was it, it might have been right before? It might have been the right before. Was he riding with the Alpha Spiders and yeah. the TCs? It was the biggest car in the group. He was by far the biggest car in the group. Not the fastest, but the biggest. Yeah. Um, but I was a super huge fan of that um, Alpha Sedan that ran the run group with the 510s yep. and everything. Yep. Yeah. That was... I mean, don't get me wrong, I love a 240Z and a 510, and those are my, you know, probably my go-to cars, but... That Alpha, the uh, Julieta sedan, yep. um, was just—it was pretty, and it, it looked really good going around track. The Gulias were nice. Yep. And the uh, there was like a Monte Carlo style mini, the red, oh, that the thing yellow. Oh, that's gorgeous. Actually, you posted a picture of that. I did. Posted a picture today. That was that very thing cool. looked just like a you know Patty Hopkirk. Yep. Uh, Monte Carlo rally winning. Yeah, that thing was awesome. No, there's some cool stuff there. Yeah, and. I just it blows my mind every year. Like they're not the fastest things on the track because yeah. you know they're not modern IMSA cars, but nope. they're it's, it's cool to watch them move around. And it's as much as I appreciate looking at them in a parking lot when you see an old car being driven hard and being driven at speed and being flogged wheel to wheel on the cars. Just it's a whole new appreciation and a whole new. 
also like the there's a late C1 Corvette, a 59. A 59, yeah. I've seen there last year. It's black with a silver hardtop. Yeah, and just a yellow, uh, no, sorry, like a silver 59 meatball on the side. Yep. And it just like, it looks so right. It's got like steel wheels. And uh, yeah, it's got an awesome racing stance. Oh, it's so it's so and it's cool. funny how much that makes a difference too, because there's a blue C3 Corvette that runs in that same run group. Yeah, um, and it's a stock stock-ish body. It's got like a lower air dam on the front and um, a couple of little things, but he's running like IROC wheels on it, and it just ruins the whole look of the car. You lose that whole period correct race car vibe, you know. There's a couple C3s that were really cool. There was one that was really cool. It was like the 70s IMSA style with the flares and everything. You go left here. Uh, I can't even. Yeah. Can't do that. Get back towards my direction. The only problem with this is there's a guy behind me with an LED light bar. Yeah. That's real annoying. We'll pull over and let him go. But, uh, anyway, a little bit of rubbing there picked up. Well, it's because I was hard right yeah, off cam it, hard left off camber. Two large, two large men. Two large people in the car. <laughs> it doesn't rub them up by myself in the car. Um, in fact, they probably didn't even pick up on the mic, and you probably just told everybody something they didn't even hear. No, I could hear in the headphones. Oh, could you? <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the right front tire under full compression. That's all right. Um, While turning only. We uh. Let's see, we met up with Steve Booten was there. Yep. Yeah, I hung out with a little bit for, yeah, that was for cool. a while. My friend uh, Kevin, who races his Formula V, was there as always. Yep. With his golf livery inspired Formula V. Yep. So that was cool. And uh, I mean, that's it's definitely an event to check out. They race Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There's no racing at Lime Rock tradition. Right. Uh, and then Monday they do some more racing, but the, the meat of the racing is on Saturday. Saturdays, if you only go one day, Saturday's the yeah, day to go. Saturday's your best day. Yeah, um, yeah I'd go, you go Saturday, and then uh, for fun stuff we went. Um, afterwards we were with my wife and her cousin, and we went to uh, New York City afterwards, which was kind of cool. Yeah, you, Stephanie, me, and Naomi went to yeah. New York City. Not, not car related, but yeah, I did. Time. I did drive the cross track in in New York City, and that was really fun. Yeah, that is a fun city car. It's it's marketed as like an outdoor adventure car, but with the suspension and the five speed, there's a spot here. Five more before. Um, to get the guy from yeah. behind us. Yeah. Um, and like, it's uh, it just works really well in like the city. But anyway. Yeah, no, it's a good little car. And he got like 33 miles a gallon. Yeah. Can't beat that. Yeah, and it, and it, uh, it fit most of our stuff. It's a little tight with four people and luggage for a weekend, but it worked perfectly. We didn't need a giant I mean, SUV. The cooler was what took most of the space. Yeah. Because you had your full Yeti back there. And if but it wasn't for that, there would be plenty of room for luggage. It was, uh, like it was, if we weren't doing outdoor activity, like it needed to keep at drinks Live cool. Rock, where we needed to keep drinks cold, we didn't need a cooler, yeah. everything would have been fine. Anyway, anything else? Uh, Car-wise, not 100%. I haven't done a ton of stuff. It's been a busy, busy life kind of stuff's been getting in the way. But yep. We get plenty of stuff coming up with Radwood prep for all of our cars. And I know we have a ton of our Mitsubishi 
Mitsubishi friends going to Radwood. It's going to be a little ridiculous. Yeah. Um, of course, the Montero guys are going down. And they're going to do an off-road trip afterwards if anybody else is interested in the area. Yep. They're going to do a Pine Barrens off-road trip. Yep. Um, we're trying to convince our two friends with Delica Vans to go as well. One of them already seems pretty convinced, and the other one is kind of on the fence. But I feel like the Pine Barrens is mostly just sandy stuff. Oh, yeah. It's super easy off-road. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did it last year. It was, yeah. it was real easy. And I did it in my Silverado. I didn't even do it in an off-road vehicle. <laughs> I just did it in a vehicle with, uh, at the time, almost bald highway tires. It was definitely not a capable off-road rig, and it was just fine. Delicas will be fine. Actually, you know how I know the Delicas will be fine? Because the Volkswagen bus guys do a trip to the Pine Barrens every year yep. in Volkswagen buses. So, and I know the Delica is vastly more capable off-road than a mid-70s yeah. Volkswagen bus. So, um, get out of here on this. If you, if this is a Colt, does mm -hmm. that make it a pony car? Nope. Why not? Because the <laughs> name one pony car other than a Mustang that it's had ponies got, in the name. It's <laughs> got a, a, a long, long nose and a short deck. And a short deck. Yeah. But it's compact. I don't know why the guy's driving with a light bar on. I don't know, but I had to pull over and let him buy because I couldn't see a damn thing because he's in a lifted truck with LED light bars across the front. With them on for some reason. All of them on. In a city. In a city. And I'm in a lowered little Dodge Colt and it was just, every mirror was just full on bright blue LED lights. I mean, not that I should talk because I'm running with my driving lights on. Yeah, but they're pointed like down the ground, the ground and they're kind of yellow yellow and not super bright and the car is low to begin with and it's foggy and raining out so that's fine but those LED light bars are excessive they are they're super excessive all they're, on the street that's, I they don't I get I get it because they're functional but yeah. they don't look good at all I mean they're okay if they're integrated into the design of some of the newer vehicles they make like a light bar it's bent around a factory bumper but that particular one that was behind us was like an 86 Dodge Ram Charger. Yeah. Which they don't work at all on. And I love 86 Dodge Ram Chargers. They're really cool looking SUVs, but they don't need tons and tons of light bars. Yeah. Normal either squares or round fog lights yeah, for life. Fine. They're fine. But you can anyway. even get you can even get like round LED bulbs in your old housings. And That's true. If you want to do that, it's fine. But man, period correct is an important thing. Things need to look like they could have been done in period. Or else it's terrible. Well, I don't know about that. They just need to fit the aesthetic of the car. Right, which is almost the same thing as being fit in period, right? Like, yeah. You wouldn't have been able to buy square LED light bars in the 80s when that truck came out. And it doesn't modernize the vehicle. It's not, you can modernize the vehicle to make a hot rod out of it if you have a whole cohesive theme together. Oh, you could sticking a modern one modern thing on an old car is going to ruin it. You could put round LED KC daylighters. Those, yeah. They make those. Perfect. But also, please, that doesn't give you an excuse to run your LED lights that are like above my roof line. <laughs> at, well, there's no reason to go around town. That's definitely tickable, and you should get a ticket for it. Anyway, grumpy, grumpy old rat. grumpy old man rant. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoy our grumpy old man rants, uh, please like and share the podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Shout Engine. Find us on there. What was that? Uh, yeah, you can subscribe with Shout Engine, but you can find us there. No, but what was just the Google, other? Just Google Auto Off Topic. Yeah, but what was the other? What was the other one with an S? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about right now. The other place that people ask for. Podcasts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now 
that you asked me for it? I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, Stitcher. Stitcher. I, I, all we're on, I, we're on all I could too. come up with was Streaker, and I know that's not what we were looking nope. for. <laughs> so we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. You can just Google Auto Off Topic Podcast. Or whatever your favorite podcast app is. It should be on there because yep. we're feeding to all of them. Uh, like us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram at Auto Off Topic. Uh, find me on Instagram at Race and Anger. Brad, where can they find you? They can find me at TSISS350, which I still haven't changed, and now I don't think I'm going to, because... I don't think you should. It's a thing now. Yeah. Um, the other easy way to find me is uh, the hashtag Vintage Mitsubishi, and most yes. of the pictures are mine. Uh, so. I've been uh, pulling into that, so some of them are mine. Yeah. But well, not whatever. as many. There's, there's, there's some others, too, that have caught on to it, and they use it as well, so... Yeah. A lot, yeah. a, lot, a lot of cult owners have latched on to the Vintage Mitsubishi tag. And by a lot of, I mean the five cult owners who use Instagram. We could use some new, uh, we could do some ratings on iTunes though that helps us out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so if you want to leave a great rating on iTunes, that'd be awesome. Who's a half decent one? <laughs> five stars, please. And as always, keep your cars analog and aim for the roses.